Good morning. How about this worship group? How do they rock or what? Okay. I'm not sure we're supposed to say that in church, but I did anyway. So I told a friend of mine this week that I was going to be uh, preaching on something unusual about how to be quiet in front of God and to talk about some spiritual disciplines of quiet and meditation and solitude. And he said, well, okay, when we do that, you know, does it help to play some music? And I had to say, honestly, you know, I don't know. My taste in music kind of runs toward Metallica. <laughs> so I'm kind of thinking that, you know, the heavy metal thing does not go along with what I'm going to talk about today. Though they do have a song called Unforgiven, but I'll never, anyway, okay, never mind. So anyway, hi, my name is Kent Wilcox. If you're new here today, uh, I just need to let you know our regular speaker, Pastor Kurt Carlson, is out of town today. I'm the fill-in guy. If you don't like me, please come back next week and see the other guy. He's really good. And he's going to be teaching for two weeks on prayer, and I'll touch on that very briefly today, just prayer, all right? Just so you know, I'm not a paid religious professional. I'm an average person just like you. And today I met uh, early to have breakfast with a dear friend of mine in the Lord, and after talking with him, I got out my pen and I totally hacked up my sermon notes. So let's see what happens. So today I'm going to continue our sermon series on building authentic spiritual community. That's what we've been doing for the last few weeks. And I've never done a how to do it before you before, but today is the first day. I'll do that. I'm going to do a how to do it. And the, and the notes in the bulletin is your instruction manual. Plenty of white space so you can take notes. I'm going to help you understand why it's important for us as human beings to slow down and make the time to be with God. And I'm actually going to give you a little primer on how to do that. And I'm going to give you some understanding of why this is important and how this can apply to your life. Now, out of deference to your time, I used my little timer. I turned it on here. We're going to go for a short time. My wife said, oh, don't do that. Just keep going until half of them are gone. <laughs> I won't do that because I have a day job just like you. Okay, so by way of brief review, the last few weeks, Kurt Carlson has spoken to us about building community. The goal of authentic spiritual community is transformation. It is not merely hanging out with other Christian pals and having fun, though that's good. I like having fun, too, just as much as anyone else does. But when you're in a community of like-minded people, a spiritual community of Christ, our goal is transformation. The concept of individual transformation is foundational, it's fundamental in the New Testament. Think about all the people, if you've read through the Gospels, that Jesus spoke to, sometimes big groups, thousands, not so many thousands, 12, one or two. When, when do you read about people having an interaction with him and becoming a believer? It's usually one-on-one. -on -one. Individual transformation is fundamental to the New Testament. It was St. Kurt of Carlson who said that. St. Kent of Hillsborough says this. People look at Christians and say, you know, you don't have it all together. You're not perfect. And my answer is, aha, I don't have to be perfect. The goal of spiritual transformation is to be a work in process. It is to be being transformed. Perfection is not the goal. Sorry, the bumper sticker is true. We believers aren't perfect until we're with the Lord. That's not going to happen on this planet. Paul understood about transformation. He wrote in Galatians chapter 4, 
referring to the Galatians as my dear children. He says, I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And in Romans, he wrote, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. And in Romans 12, Paul wrote, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So you hear formed, conformed, transformed. That's the deal. The Christian life is being transformed. That's what we're doing. We don't do that in order to gain points with God or to become better people or to become perfect. We do that in order to end up, as much as we can, looking like Jesus Christ. So, I'm going to talk about the D word here today, disciplines, spiritual disciplines. Let's talk about the practice of slowing. What is it? Some of us use the word uh, my quiet time, my alone time, my personal time with God. This, that's, that's fine. That's, that's cool. Um, I'm going to use a new word. I think Kurt came up with it, active rest. What is that? Doesn't that sound contradictory? How can you be active when you're resting? How can you rest when you're active? Active rest is when we make a decision actively to stop doing what we're doing and be with God. That's what we're talking about. The practice of active rest is choosing to slow down with a purpose in mind. The purpose is to spend time with God. I know what you're thinking already before I even get to the how to do it. You're coming up with all your list of excuses. I'm too busy, I don't have time, I don't have any margin, and I don't have a place to do it. Well, baloney, I'll answer those later on. Why is it important? Slowing down is important because it's the only known cure for a terrible disease that we learned about last week. It's called hurry sickness. You get hurry sick when you hurry too much. Is anyone a victim of hurry sickness? Have you ever been? There's my friend Keith raising his hand. Keith and I are praying this year for margin in life. Okay? That's our goal. When I was in my early 20s, I had a fatal case of hurry sickness when I first met my wife Sharon. I was living in a big old house in Berkeley with six other guys. All of us uh, Christian guys living on College Avenue, all involved in ministry stuff. And there was a time when I had a full-time job. I was still in the Marine Corps Reserve. And I had ministry activities four or five nights a week. All good things. I mean, I wasn't you know, selling drugs or you know, kidnapping children or anything. It was all good stuff. I was exhausted. I had migraine headaches all the time. And I began to figure out I had no friendships. How can that be? I was hurry sick. I was ministering so hard, I didn't have any relationships with the people that I was trying to minister to. Here's something we've learned at the company where I work. FEI company. I'll pass it along to you for free. Our goal is to be efficient with time and money and inventory and things and materials. We struggle to be effective with people. And so believers who are involved in other people's lives have the same conundrum. We're so busy we want to be efficient. If you're efficient with people, you won't have any. You have to be effective with people. That's why slowing is so important. Jesus had this figured out. Uh, Mark wrote in Mark 6:31, then because so many people were coming and going that the disciples did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, "Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest." He took his guys away for rest, refreshment, food. Why? Just to hang out, beer and sausage? I don't think so, though that would have tasted really good. The goal of getting away is to come back to ministry refreshed 
and effective, not efficient. That's why Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, had it all figured out. You've got to stop sometimes. So much for theory. How do you do it? Here we go. I'm going to teach you about four basic spiritual disciplines today. Solitude, prayer, study, and meditation. I didn't invent these, by the way. I wish I could take credit for it. Other people did. People who came up with these kind of practices are people you might have heard of, like, oh, you know, Jesus Christ. He practiced this. He taught his disciples how to practice it. Other writers of the Bible, uh, and I'll share some passages with you today, figured this out. Whoever wrote the Psalms, probably mostly King David, had it figured out. He knew about how to slow down. Discipline is a word we don't like. Here's the deal. If you've ever been on a sports team or you know the military or whatever, follow some disciplines. It's the way to get where you need to go. The spiritual disciplines are a pathway to building your relationship with God. The first one is solitude. The discipline of solitude. That is, I define that as learning to be alone without feeling lonely. I myself am often a fundamentally lonely person. I feel lonely. Even when I'm surrounded by people, I feel alone. Kind of a silly thing, but that's something that is in my mind a lot. This is not being lonely. Solitude is being alone without feeling lonely. The purpose of solitude is what? Just to get away from people? No. It's to get away from people and be quiet so you can hear God. That's why you do it. Jesus did this in Matthew 14, 13. Matthew wrote, when Jesus heard what had happened, specifically that was his friend John the Baptist just had his head chopped off. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. I think he needed to be alone to grieve John's death and to talk to his father about it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 4, I won't read it all for you. It's verses 1 through 11. That's the story of how Jesus was brought alone into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Part of that was to be alone, to listen to his father, to get ready to duke it out with Satan when he confronted him. Jesus understood the purpose of solitude. It's hard for us to get away, and it's so easy for us to be surrounded by people and stuff and noise. If you ever read the screw tape letters, C.S. Lewis's great practical theology of the 20th century, one demon is writing to another, and he says, you know, hell is really cool because it's never quiet here. We always have noise. Noise, noise, noise in hell. Think about that. When you're quiet, you're getting towards heaven. Prayer. Prayer is talking and listening to God. Kurt will teach you all about this for two weeks. I'll just touch on the surface. We Christians get into a habit of thinking that prayer is asking God for stuff, right? Oh, Heavenly Father, give me this, give me that. Thank you very much. And while you're at it, fund it. Amen. Okay, my, is my 1-800 number flashing down here? Okay. okay. Okay, that's crazy. The purpose of prayer is not for us to ask God for stuff. It is to talk to him and to listen back. And what happens? Okay, so here's where I struggle for words. Andy talked earlier about magic, and so I'm struggling with the magic thing. Here's what happens when you get in the habit of prayer. Imagine that God is up at the 50,000-foot or 100,000-foot level, because that's kind of where he likes to hang out. You pull yourself up there, and you get to see the landscape around you. When you pray, you get to see as God sees. 
prayer is our highway to transformation. Let me warn you, if you don't want to change, don't start praying. People who pray, change. If you don't want to change, don't do this prayer thing. When you start to be able to talk and listen back to God and hear what he's saying, you will find yourself changing. I think it's pretty cool, but if you don't like change, please don't do this. In Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, verses 5 through 15, Jesus said to his disciples and the people who were listening, when you pray, be alone. When you pray, don't pray out loud. When you pray, don't pray for show. When you pray, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven. He said, when, when, when. He didn't say, if. If you decide to make the time to pray in your copious free time. No, he said, when. For Jesus, the assumption of prayer is an assumption. And here's a little point for all you morning people. In Mark 1, verse 35, Mark wrote, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Let's hear it for all of us morning people. Okay. (laughs) Night people can pray too. Okay, 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 just kidding. Don't let anyone tell you that the spiritual model is to get up before dawn and pray. You can pray at midnight. That's when I'm asleep. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the leaders of the early church said to the first believers, because they were really busy serving food and running errands, they said, guys, you take over. We will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. Those two always go together. Prayer and the word of God always go together. The third discipline is study. Study is simply the process that we use to give us knowledge of the truth. Now, you think I'm talking about Bible study. Of course, I'll throw that in. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. But let's just pull back. We study all kinds of stuff, right? We study calculus. We study accounting. We study sports. We study whatever, okay? I have friends who know all about baseball. I don't know anything about baseball. They know about baseball because they study it, right? That's the deal. Study is the process that conforms our thinking to the order of the subject being studied. In plain English, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. Try flipping through a geometry book and see how much geometry you learn. That would be zero. Focus on the geometry book and you learn geometry. My hobby that I do to keep sane is I like to build models of things, airplanes and ships. I'm working on a model of the battleship USS Arizona right now. It's about that big. And I have a drawing of the Arizona that I kind of semi-legally pirated off the internet, blew it up and printed it on our printer at work. It's about that long. As I study the drawing of the USS Arizona, it's getting in. I look at it, think about it, I can comprehend it, and if you're in the mood, I can tell you all about it. (laughs) How many 14-inch guns were there on the USS Arizona? I know because I study. If you can start to think about approaching the Bible that way, just hang on to something that's bolted to the floor because you're going to get blown away. When you can start to open your scripture when you're alone with God and start to do some repeating and some concentrating and some comprehending and some reflecting back, you will know what you're talking about. In John chapter 8, Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. How can you be set free by the truth if you don't know what the truth is? 
Some of you are saying, Kent, that's easy for you. You're a bookworm, you're a student, and you're a nerd. All of which is true. Let me just say this. I know some of you who can tell me from memory the difference between a 1965 Volkswagen Beetle and a 1966 Volkswagen Beetle because you know the number of air vents that are on the engine cover. Don't tell me you don't study. It's not going to work. Finally, meditation. All right? Don't run from the M word. It's okay. I went to Berkeley in the 70s. I know about meditation. <laughs> okay, panic not. This is not about what we would call Eastern-style meditation. I understand this because I used to try it. The goal of that meditation is to empty yourself and become one with a cosmic something. The goal of Christian meditation, and yes, Christians do this, and other godly people, is to empty yourself and refill yourself with God. That's the deal. Here is where I really touch on the mystical, and I can't do a good job of explaining this. Let me try this again. I wrote this down. Christian meditation is the goal of emptying the self and dying to the self so that when we're filled by Christ, we live to Christ. Does that make sense? Sorry this is weird, but this is the best I can do. Here's what happens when you meditate on God and his creation and his word. You get detached from yourself and all your petty nonsense, so you get reattached to God. The psalmist, probably King David, understood this. He wrote in Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He wrote again in Psalm 63, On my bed I remember you, I think of you, in the watches of the night. Are any of you tormented by sleeplessness? Cut back on the caffeine, and when you're awake in the watches of the night, as I sometimes am, instead of driving myself mad thinking about what I'm going to do at work the next day, I can drive myself a little more sane as I think about the things that God has done in my life. David knew what he was talking about. He wrote in Psalm 119, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night, that I may meditate on your promises. Meditation. The Bible writers understood this. We don't get it. They did. There you go. Those are the four basic spiritual disciplines. Meditation, study, prayer, solitude. Now you're thinking, okay, now what? Only saintly dudes can do this, right? You can read about the lives of the saints. Oh, please don't. You'll just frustrate yourself to pieces. You can read about people who spend hours every day on their knees praying. You know what? I don't have that kind of time, and neither do you. So first of all, don't kill yourself by saying, okay, I have to have an hour a day for this. Oh, I've got to have half an hour. Okay? Do what you can do. One hour, half an hour, 15 minutes. While you're shaving, direct your mind towards God. Better than nothing. All right? These practices are not for special saintly people. They're for us. Actually, we are all special saintly people. So that's why these practices are for us. Believe me, you can do this. This is not a routine. Please understand the four steps are not the four magical steps that I give you today. This is an owner's manual for you to try on your own and fill in as you have time. There's no magic formula. Let me give you some suggestions. 
Create for yourself a quiet place. If you live alone, it's easy. If you have a spouse, children, roommate, housemate, whatever, it can be harder. When I lived in that house in Berkeley with six other guys, it was a big house, but it was always hopping because we were young and free in those days. I used to get in my Volkswagen, drive up the hill to the Lawrence Hall of Science parking lot, and if the weather was good, I could sit on a bench and meditate on God. If the weather was bad, I'd sit in the car and look out over the bay at the rain and the fog. I made a place to be alone. If I can do it, you can do it. Make the most of your time when you are alone with God, however brief it may be. You don't have to worry about, okay, I've got to spend 10 minutes in prayer and 1.5 minutes in meditation and 2.8 chapters of the Bible. Don't do that to yourself, okay? You're just going to lose. Do what you can with the time you have. Clear the decks of anything in the way. Distractions. Just for fun, I never recommend this, but I will this time. Grab your Bible, open it randomly in the middle, and read what's there. Okay, that's really counterculture to me, but I'll recommend it to you as long as we're being mystical. Okay? I double dog dare you. Open it up at random to the Psalms and read one and see if God speaks to you through those words. Give it a try. Let me just finish up by asking you, or actually I'll just tell you, <laughs> why should you do this? Why should you care? Why do you want to do this weird thing? You know, you're busy. You've got lives. Why do you want to take the time to slow? Well, Sam and I were talking about this this morning, and I wrote a whole bunch of reasons. I'll just focus on two. If you take the time to slow down, you will be better equipped to love the people around you. And that's what Jesus Christ has called us to do. He never told his disciples, go out into the world and be right. Go out into the world and be doctrinal. Go out there and write good Christian books. Nope. He said, go into the world and love people, and some of them will become my disciples. If you take the time to slow down in front of God, you'll be better equipped to love people. How far can you drive your SUV on an empty gas tank? Not very far. If you have hurry sickness and you're not spending time with God, you're on fumes. Refill the tank. Do this because you'll be better equipped to love people. And the other reason, I think I put it in the bulletin, you will deepen your relationship with God. That sounds like pie in the sky, mom and apple pie stuff. I'm sorry, it's true. If you want to have a deeper relationship with God, you've got to spend some time with him. If you want to have a deeper relationship with your spouse, would you not spend time with them? That's the way to not have a relationship with your spouse. If you want to be close to God, give him the time of day. He'll come and meet you and pay you back. Okay, I want to finish up. This is going to just sound incredibly religious and weird, but it's true. I was sitting there after Christmas, between Christmas and New Year's, writing down my goals for the year. And I have my usual litany of goals at work and around the house and blah, 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 blah. And I tried to write down a spiritual goal for myself. Doesn't that sound religious? Sorry, it's true. I wrote down, become a more devoted follower of Jesus Christ in 2006. Doesn't that sound good? How do you think I'm going to do on that? I scratched that out. My goal for the year is I want to learn contentment in all situations of my life. And I am not an expert at being quiet before God, but I'm going to give it a try and see if I can use these practices to get contentment and margin and be better qualified to love people. There's my commitment to you. You want to give it a try? Tell me how it goes. Okay?
Finally, you can't do this on your own. Yes, of course, I mean, when you practice solitude, you're by yourself. Here's what I mean. When you follow the spiritual disciplines, find another person in this community of believers to partner with for accountability. And when you get together, you can add to your list of things you talk about. How's your meditation going? What are you reading in the Bible? What's your prayer life like? Have you had solitude lately? Try that. So much easier with a partner than by yourself. Thank you.